So let's get started. Michelle, please, tell this panel who you are, what you believe, and what you stand for. I took a deep breath, and I began. Now, I wouldn't have been able to do this if I hadn't been prepared and a little birdie hadn't already told me that this was going to be one of the questions on my entrance interview into this postgraduate program. But thankfully, I was ready. So this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to thank you for joining me for another podcast of Wisdom Smack, where we're going to talk about your personal manifesto. Sit back, relax, and join me on the flip. This was it. I was actually in front of the interviewing panel to be interviewed to get into this postgraduate program. I had done it and I was ready. So when she launched that question that I knew was coming of of asking me the trinity of who are you? What do you believe? And what do you stand for? I rattled off my staccato statements of belief. I believe and I stand for and I quest for. And I enjoyed the looks of satisfaction on their faces. I also enjoyed the way some of them had to wrestle with my boldness. Yeah, I brought it with spice. I brought it with as much eloquence as I could muster. And I brought it with high energy. What did I bring? Well, I brought my personal manifesto. Now I'm looking back on this this time, and this was quite a while back. And I'm, I'm sad to say that when I think about that manifesto, and you know, I can't even find it today. Um, I It's in the in some box packed down somewhere with some of my books from that particular program. But one of the things I do remember is that I am definitely not that person anymore. And I remember it because I know that at that time, that's what I aspired to be. And at this time, I know that I've aspired, I've obtained that and so much more. And you know, this is something I want to talk about that um, I might need to give a trigger warning on, but um, I've made observation of it. That's one of the things I do like to do. I always like to sharpen my skills of observation to see, not judge, and then to allow what I see to dictate to me the lesson that it would have. And this is something in this particular time, we have a lot of troubled souls that are in very in, in a lot of pain. And there is a saying in the therapy community that hurt people hurt people and that um, bleeding soldiers of life on, on the field bleed on others. And so we, we're seeing a lot of this um, from a lot of people, so much so that they're 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 inflicting harm on others as an outward projection of all the pain they they feel inside and it's sad but one of the things that I've been looking at as I'm observing this and trying not to be judgmental um, so that I can keep my vibration and my frequency uh, elevated enough to get the wisdom smacks that that I so long for and search for is this I have found that a lot of times the reason why these people are able to pull this off is not all the time, but sometimes there is a public manifesto 
Yes. And I was like, hmm. To me, the the manifesto is kind of like that black box when um uh, there's a plane situation. I've always wondered, why why can't the plane just be made of what the black box is made of? That thing seems to be indestructible. Likewise, when I look at how a person might disintegrate or, or um, deteriorate in their thinking, why can't they just stick with a manifesto? Those things are indestructible. And so I looked at that and I was like, there, there seems to be something about this whole manifesto thing. Because remember, I had that first one. Uh, I was trying to get into a, a particular program and that was my first time having to write one and I thought I hit it at the park. I think I did, you know, for, for that time in my life and my age at the time. Um, but looking back, I achieved everything on that manifesto that I said I wanted to be, to do and to have. And then over the years, I've done some sloppy manifestos for myself and I look back on those with fondness and they have tended to be um, the engine and the catalyst for getting me to elevate. And my takeaway from that at this particular time, because I'm I'm always looking for the next angle, the next quote unquote angel. Um, I look at how these manifestos tend to have um, a life of their own and they tend to get us to uh, propel ourselves into a new reality, a new situation, a, a, a new uh, state of being. And I wanted to know why. So why am I telling you about this situation? I'm telling you about this situation um, because I am starting to see that a lot of um, times people don't realize the power of a manifesto. Now, I am talking about the benevolent manifesto. Not the one where you want to take over the world and subject dominions to your your um, your power and your will. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your own personal manifesto. That is, and and of course, I'm going to reiterate what I haven't. I can't reiterate because I haven't told you first. So let me just tell you: if you don't already know what I'm talking about, what is a manifesto? Let's. How about we start from there, huh? That would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Duh, Michelle. So a personal manifesto is a statement, a declaration, something that can be publicly revealed of your core values and beliefs. A manifesto is, simply put, it's what you stand for, how you intend to to live your life. And it is the framework for getting you motivated to succeed and to accomplish things. Um, there's this book and you guys know, I will definitely post the link to it. And I kind of, um, it wasn't a kind of, I avoided the book for a while cause I didn't like the title and, uh, it's from Napoleon Hill and the name of the book is called Outwitting the Devil. Yeah. It's called Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. And I was like, what is this, this stuff. <laughs> but when I finally read the book, I was just, um, um, I was taken aback that it had so many foundational truths. And I don't know why I would have thought Napoleon Hill had uh, cracked his head and wouldn't come with something as um, powerful as his other books, you know. So I took away something powerful from that book. And it was a uh, allegorical conversation with the devil. And the devil talks about the fears and the the components of the Amer of the um, average 
person and how the devil is able to recruit them for his cause. And the one, some of the things that stuck out in this book that I have been tackling in my updated manifesto, because yes, it is time. I am working on my manifesto now. That's why I'm sharing that with you guys, was that aimlessness, not having a purpose, a clear direction, being confused, being cloudy in, in what you want, who you are, what you do, what you have, what you will be and continue to be or grow to be or whatever. Aimlessness. And then another one was fears. These fears. He said, if I can get someone who is uh, fearful of losing their money, uh, fearful of the very act of poverty, uh, fearful of who and what they can become. He says, I got them. And um, it's not a long read. And I think you can actually even find, um, well, I know the audiobook is on Audible. I know you can sometimes find um, discussions of it if you do a Google search. And it, like I said, it's a quick read. I'll, I'll post the link here so that you can have it in the show notes. Um, but it's kind of eye-opening. And I like the way they do it because Napoleon is supposedly interviewing the devil. He's some kind of way he's captured him and the devil can't get away. And so he has to interview him. And I, I really like the way he did it. But it's got some really foundational nuggets in there and when I um, was looking at gathering up who I am right now and and who I want to be who I want to continue to be uh, some of the wonderful um, memories of 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 uh, knowledge that has come out of that book I've been able to use it so there's that Um, so this whole manifesto thing it does not have to be hard a lot of times it's just simple statements And and you want them to be simple statements. You don't want it to be prose uh, because you want it to be to the point where you can almost just recite it. It becomes, you know, recitation. And so uh, there's this article that I found because I wanted to be able to give you guys something that was really cool. And I didn't feel like having to recreate the wheel. And I think I think I'll post both of them. So there is this this uh, article by this young lady. uh, uh, Her blog is daring to live full, uh, live to live fully. Yeah. Daring to live fully and her name is and i'm gonna mess up her name but i'm gonna try to give her proper um attribution it's mira lisa fabrega yeah mira lisa fabrega and she uh has this blog and i liked it because she not only gave you the stuff that you would uh usually want to uh put in a manifesto she has a section in there that i really liked and that's why i I stopped on it because most of the stuff is just a rehash of what we already know if you've ever written a manifesto before you already know this stuff so let me go for that stuff you already quote unquote know okay so when you're doing your manifesto try to write it out in i statements and so consider these you know what do you stand for i believe i you know so your i believe statements i stand for i am statements i do statements so i like to use the trinity of the be do have i am i be i do i have um so what do you stand for what are you willing to die for what are your strongest beliefs what do you want um to be as as the modus operandi for your life you know may may you know how do you want to live your life um how do you want to to define yourself uh what changes do you want to make so those are the changes that you want to claim i 
am being, I am becoming? Uh, what are the words? Maybe there's a motto that you want to live for um, in your life. And that brings me to a section that I have that uh, has become popular around, you know, for friends of mine. Each year, a lot of times I try to do my manifestos in the December month where uh, we're moving into hell. And yes, hell, uh, which is a.k.a. for winter. Winter starts around the 20, 21st of the month. And so um, in the old days, winter, the name for winter was Inverno, where they get Inferno, where they get hell from. So winter, where everything is dead. And it's funny because um, Inverno is cold, but we articulate Inferno as hot. So actually hell is cold. <laughs> so when I'm in that time, um, I, I tend to be very creative because that's actually in the um, time of, of, of my son, my, my, my uh, astrological sign of, of a Capricorn. And I tend to really get in, introspective during that time. So I, I normally like to work on them there. But when the mood strikes me, I will do it. So I, I'm not just saying you do your manifesto around your birth season. No, I'm not saying that. You do it when you do it, okay? Um, but one of the things is, is I, I usually pick a theme. No, not usually. I, I, I pick a theme. And I have no problem sharing that theme with others, especially if it, if it inspires them. So like I'll tell you right now, my theme for this year is, and or this time period, because I've, I've stopped putting it on years and I only put it, I only change it once I have, once I have become it to the point where it's a rote behavior, it's habitual. So my current theme is done is the new perfect. Done is the new perfect. So that's my theme that I'm working on. Okay, so you can put that in the slot of uh, words to live by. And that's where I usually put my personal theme. You know, now, of course, when you're doing your manifesto, make it benevolent, make it, you know, inspiring, uplifting, use strong words. So remember when I told you I was sitting there in front of that panel, I used bold, courageous words and full of viv uh, vibrant life, red slashes of, of um, courage and all of those things. I also wanted to make it staccato as short as possible so that it had as much power punch in it. Use active words. Don't use to be or um, to be um, verb tenses. Don't use passive. Get to the point and, you know, always write it in the present tense. So I am, I do, I be, you know, <laughs> uh, those types of things. Now, let me talk about um, this blog that I really liked. Uh, and I, like I said, I'll, dro I'll drop a link in there as well. So one of the things that I liked about this blog when she was talking about all the things that we, that we already take for granted as a manifesto, she said, also consider doing things like, how do you, de how do you deal with your disappointments and hardships? How do you deal with failures and mistakes, opportunities, and the way you approach risk? Are you a risk taker or not? Now, this is one that really got me. And uh, I was like, wow, that is so true. She talked about daily interaction with others. And, and then she talked about how do you handle service people and neighbors and children and so on. And I thought about that because... In your manifesto, that is a lot. Remember that manifesto seems it, it, it tends to have an engine to it um, that propels it along, and it's kind of like a contract with the universe to work for you. 
And uh, I'm going to be, you know, let me just go on and mention it. This, in this particular month that I'm recording this, this is the month each year that I go back and I reread The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And um, there is this famous statement from, from The Alchemist, and I always paraphrase it. Um, when you have an intention that is in agreement with your life purpose, the universe will conspire to make it so for you. Now, that's not exactly how it's, it how it goes, but that's how I usually like, you know, the, the universe conspires to make it happen. And that is part of this engine that I talk about with um, your manifesto. A lot of people don't understand that when you're aimless. You remember uh, Napoleon Hill's Outwitting the Devil book? Yes, I'm going to put these links in there. And thank you guys for getting them. I can sometimes see, you know, that people have clicked on the link. And I really appreciate that because I love to know other people are interested in these great reads and, and getting these wisdoms as well. But anyway, so Napoleon Hill talks about the aimlessness, you know, having apathetic thoughts, not having direction or clarity. And then uh, with Paolo Coelho's uh, story, his allegorical story of this guy who searches all around on all these different travels only to find out that the universe was already working on his behalf and brought, brings him back into full circle. I'm not going to give the plot away so you guys can go and experience it because there's so much to learn throughout the different stories uh, of how he meets the alchemist and what it means and those types of things as well so anyway um when she talks about your daily interactions with others i am currently working on how do i make those uh, al al alchemically better. Um, the general definition for alchemy is most people think it's from turning lead to gold, and that's not what it is. Um, I love alchemy. I love the study of alchemy, and yeah. So the the general term is how do you take two takes either two or something that's of a lower vibration, a lower value, a lower quality and then fuse it, put it together or transmute it, meaning that you turn it into something of a higher value, higher quality, higher frequency. So how do you turn a frown into a smile? That's an alchemical process. And we do that through the form of wit, comedy, laughter, um, funny observations, humor. That's alchemy. Everybody wants to automatically jump to the uh, lead into gold situation where that was simply a way of people encapsulating the power of alchemy. And so in this manifesto that I, I, I deem um, worthy of as my statement of being and as my guideline right now, I'm really putting in my I believe and I am statements of my daily interactions with others. So much so that I am a magnificence hunter. I am um, an inspiration portal. I am those things because when I interact with others, whether they be the waiters, the cashiers, the children, the neighbors or whatever, I leave people better than I found them. Okay, so that is something. She talks about choosing your attitude. I love that. And, and I want to talk really quickly about the difference between to choose and to decide. So um, when I was um, uh, first starting out uh, on my own, having to, you know, deal with therapy sessions, I really dealt a lot with uh, decisions and choices. 
decisions and choices because they they are in the same family, but they're cousins. So a decision, the very word decide means two and uh, D meaning duo or two and side meaning to cut to kill. That's why you get homicide. No, those are the from. OK, um, harm from from uh, person. Okay, anyway, I, uh, let me get back on what I'm talking about. All right, so to, de- to decide is to choose one thing and kill the other option. There is no other option. You just go there. And uh, when you choose, that means that you have options. You choose one, but the others are still possibly in play. Okay, so um, this neural, uh, this neuroplasticity, when I was, when I was um, first coming out, everybody is, um, and I might be dating myself, but uh, everybody was um, excited about the revelations of neuroplasticity. And that's a fancy word for saying that our mind all, is always growing and learning and able to tra- change. Prior to this, uh, n- neurobiological sciences, uh, they believe that once you hit a certain age, that there was nothing more that your brain could learn to do. They even believe that it could calcify. This was kind of like a reason for explaining Alzheimer's where people started to deteriorate in their mind. But then lo and behold, someone started doing um, observations and then they took those observations into exercises to re- see if they could replicate the observations. And that was why was it that some people were able to continue to grow and learn new skills well into their 90s? And, and beyond. And they found out that there was a neuroplasticity, neuro meaning brain, plasticity meaning malleable, where people, if you did a continuous behavior and habit of learning of new experiences, not just uh, what you learned through books and stuff, but if you encountered new experiences, your brain would respond in kind and um Actually, so like when you learn something and it becomes a habit, you have you ever seen those pictures of the brains where you see all these little squiggly indentations and stuff? That's where synapses are being formed, habits of how the brain will process stuff and how it will render a decision, a behavior, an attitude or whatever. And so that's what neuroplasticity was. That's what we uh, learned that the brain never stopped learning, especially if you gave it new information to deal with and new experiences, blah, blah, blah. You know, you get it. So what did decision and choices have to do with that? Well, when you had a decision, the funny thing about decisions is decisions were kind of like an override to this neuroplasticity, meaning that when you decided to do something, and that's the operative word, to do something, to be something, there was an action attached to it. And thus, the vagus nerve, which is another nerve that leads into the gut of the stomach area, the solar plexus stomach area, uh, where they say that it's the second brain, um, it would send impulses from this vagus nerve into the gut, and then the body would respond by sending out neurons to the muscles to, to get ready for action. A lot of times, or most of the time, before the brain would know that this was going to happen. Case in point, at my house, I have a bad habit. When I'm cooking, uh, it just, it irks me. When I'm cooking, I unconsciously open all of the cabinets in my kitchen. 
and not just the cabinets I'm using. I don't know why I do it, but that is something that I do. So like when I decide to cook, the first thing I do, and, I, and I've caught myself many times, when I decide to cook, I go in the kitchen and I open my spice cabinet. Now, a lot of people do this and don't realize they do it. It's not their spice cabinet though. They decide that they are bored or they decide that they want something to eat. And what is the first thing you do when you go in the kitchen and you've made this decision? You are up on your feet or however you get around and you go and you open what? The refrigerator door and you stand there and you look at the refrigerator. So much so that they have companies now that make these panels where you can look and see what's inside the refrigerator without having to open it. I've seen them. They're really cool, but I don't think they're going to work because there is an actual link to the process of opening the door um, to see what's in there. So anyway, that's a decision. That's a decision in action because it a lot of times bypasses the brain where you're doing it. So much so that when I look around, I have to remember when I'm through cooking or whatever I'm doing in the kitchen, close the cupboards, close the, the cabinet doors. And I do that. And I, I, now it doesn't frustrate me anymore because I know that's just part of my process, but I, I make sure I close them when I'm done. So what about those choices? In this um, blog that I'm talking about with um, the extras that she gives on mani- uh, uh, writing your manifesto that I really like, she talks about choosing your attitude. And I like the fact that she says choosing your attitude because your attitude should be flexible. It should be appropriate for whatever is needed. And therefore, when you have choices where you've not annihilated all decisions to just go with one, the brain can be uh, engaged fully to help you um, choose the appropriate and the the best attitude for whatever you're facing. The uh, old statements are true. Attitude equals aptitude. It, it amplifies and gets you to where you need to go. And then, of course, she says, "How think about how you treat your body, your money, your time. How What is your general approach to life? So, like I said, I really like those things. And I wanted to make sure I include them. And I'm going to drop a link for her as well in, in the show notes. So when you're looking at your manifesto, your personal manifesto, there is an engine attached to it. And like I said before, I started learning that the decisions we make are part of that fuel for that engine. But then I also wanted to wonder, I also wondered why, why is taking the time to write a manifesto, uh, an engine to get you to where you want to be? And I remember something that was from the, um, the the holy text of the Bible. And you see these reiterated in other texts. And they were, um, I, I remember in Habakkuk where it says, publish the vision so that it may be so. So it may come, you know, come to fruition. Um, I remember in another section in the Bible where it talks about um, that your words or your deeds will become a memorial before the Lord. And when you look at the word of memorial, to memorialize is to put into memory so that it cannot be forgotten. And so a manifesto, a personal manifesto is a publication of your memorial so that it will not be forgotten. And like I said before, when I was, when I, when I read, um, the alchemist, uh, by Paulo Coelho, I, I always look at the fact that the universe will conspire when you are in concert with what is aligned for you and your purpose, especially when you publish it in a manifesto, the universe is going to conspire. I also look at uh, or remember Napoleon Hill's book, Outwitting the Devil, where he talks about how the devil gets really angry 
when you get your purpose. So because he no longer has an impression on you, he no longer can recruit you. You are no longer destined for a life of um, of oppression when you lose the aimlessness. And so the wisdom smack here is I challenge everyone to consider, not just consider, to do a personal benevolent manifesto. These things have an engine on them that help you get what you want um, in a greater way. I did a, another podcast that talked about the secret language and power of questions. And I'm going to tell you, if you really want to start stretching your muscle and growing your muscle on how to ask the right questions, when you sit down or stand up, however you do it, to start crea- creating and crafting your personal manifesto, Those questions are going to really help you to get down to the nitty gritty of who you are, what you believe and what you stand for. It's going to really help you to to decide who you want to be when you're interacting with others. What is your theme or your motto for life? How do you uh, consider your body, your relationships, your time, your money, your career? All of these things are going to matter. And once you get it down pat to where you have it in simple, I believe statements where you can say them to by memory, they are going to become a memorial They are going to um, become ingrained and the universe will conspire to help you to succeed and to be and achieve those things that are in your manifesto. And all of this is by you simply taking the time to state what your ideals are, what your intentions are, what you believe, what you stand for. And it's an amazing thing. It's an alchemy. It is an alchemy of changing who you are to who you are destined to be. And so I want to challenge you. I really want to challenge you to that. You know, now, like I said before, we want to make this benevolent, make it uplifting, make it strong language. When I was sitting in front of that board, I use vibrant strokes, vibrant strokes of language. I use active language. action-oriented verbs with my subjects. (laughs) And so I made it positive. I made it daring. I made it provocative. I made it where I stood on the fact that I am a questioner and I don't just take things at face value. I am the investigator of my own life and I don't just uh, go with the herd. And I have found that I am all those things and I am grateful for them. So now I want to challenge you. What is your personal manifesto and how can you engage that engine to propel you to where you want to be? So guess what? My time is up and I surely want to thank you for yours. This is Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Spack. And I want to thank you for another podcast listening in with me as we explore things. So by now, I think I think you might like this. And so I'm going to go on and, and ask you with confidence to like, subscribe, share. Hey, send me a message. And I'm going to ask you to consider supporting uh, this podcast by uh, using our link when you do your Amazon shopping. It's simple. It's easy. It's michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. Talk to you soon. Bye.
And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.